Good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Uh, to start out, on each seat, you should have had a note card here. That was not a mistake that it was there. Um, I need you to get it, and if you have crumpled it up and threw it away or something already, uh, there are some on empty chairs uh, that are near you, and there should be a pencil there as well. Uh, you might have your own um, notebook or something. You could use that instead, but I encourage you to have this and encourage you to keep it with you. Uh, during the week. I'm hopeful that this is a way that the scripture we're talking about can stay in front of us all um, a little bit and um, keep us aware of, um, of God and what God's call is upon our life. So here's what I want you to do to start. Take it, we're going to take like a minute, and I actually want you to write down on one side of the note card an example or two of where someone has shown you compassion, or where someone has maybe surprised you in showing loyalty to you. Now, the word compassion actually means to suffer with. That's what the word means. And so you might have to go to a time that's harder, or a time that you're maybe not as proud of, but when someone just came along and they didn't have all the answers, but they just kind of walked with you um, when, when you were going through a time. But where have you had people show you compassion or, and or, where have people just been loyal to you in a way that maybe you kind of were surprised by, all right? I want you to write down, and you're, we're not going to share these, we're not going to stand up and read them, okay? Like, we're not going to, like, put them up on the screens or anything. So I encourage you, rather than just sort of walking through the exercise, is to be honest, okay? Be honest about sometimes. You can just put a name down or something that triggers you, but you know what you're talking about. Where is a time that people have been compassionate to you? Where is a time that people have been loyal to you. As you're writing that down, I want to remind you that we are in a teaching series here. It's a teaching series. It's a sh- shorter series. It's um, three weeks. We're in the second week of it today, where we're asking the question, what does God want? Now, many of us are experts on what we think God should want. We hear, I've heard the expression a lot. It's like, well, my God would never do this which is a wonderful way for us to play God, for us to put ourselves in the position of God because we start dictating what God does and does not do. But we're asking the question, what does God want? And there's one verse in Scripture that we're going to be looking at each and every week. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. We're going to bring it up here on the screens. And this is what it says. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Now, when we read this, when we talked about this last week when we started, the word requirement is not about religious rules. This is not about God looking at us going, you better be merciful, you better be kind, you better be uh, someone who's doing justice because I'm watching, and if you're not, I'm telling you, there's going to be trouble. That's not how this is. We hear the word requirement and that might come to mind. But rather, this is about God saying, I designed you. I shaped you. I molded you. I brought you into creation. I'm telling you, when you live this way, this is how you come most alive. This is how you were designed to have these kind of priorities in your life. And we talked last week about that, that in Hebrew, often when there's a, a list like this, it's the last thing in the list that receives the point of most emphasis. So we should start there. So what we said is, is that we're starting with the idea that we are called to walk humbly with God. That's where we started last week. 
And that is really important because as followers of Jesus, you and I can look at the brokenness in our lives, and all of us have that. We all have places where things are not right, where we don't respond in ways where we're proud of. We have short tempers. We gossip about people. We get a sense of joy at times of watching someone struggle that um, maybe has had success in a certain area. We see this in the world, in our politics at times today. We see this in uh, places around the world like with ISIL. We see a lot of brokenness. And what we believe at the core is that this is not because human beings just haven't found a really, really good system of being nice. That's not what we believe. That we don't believe that it's about human beings having figured out a system where we just can all get along. That there's something more broken than that about our world. And if we don't take the brokenness seriously, we're never going to find a solution. We're just going to keep kind of wandering around to these platitudes that make us feel better for a moment. And so what we believe as followers of Jesus is that what is broken about this world is that there is a breakdown in the relationship between God and the creation, between the creator and the creation. That there is a breakdown that's happened there. And that breakdown of relationship is what brings about the, so many of the struggles and injustices that we see in the world. And so we started last week with saying that one of the first things we got to do is work at reestablishing that relationship. How is your relationship with God? Is it deep? Is it intimate? Is it powerful? Is it changing? Is it dry? Is it hurried? Is it non-existent? Because until we deal with this idea of, of our walk with God, of our relationship with God, then we're not actually dealing with the root cause of brokenness in the world, okay? This is about a breakdown of relationships. So we ask you, what's your thin place? What's the place that you can go to experience the presence of God? That space where the systems of heaven and earth kind of come together, where the breakdown of heaven and earth sort of melts away. And I've loved hearing some of your reflections this week. I've had people who have talked to me about that they've started doing prayer walks this week, which we talked about last week. They've started kind of walking on a daily basis and, and praying, and they're kind of maybe hearing God or experiencing God in some new ways. I've heard some of you say, man, I can't do prayer walks. I love solitude, but I really disciplined myself this week to, to spend time on that, to wake up early, to, to read a devotion, to, to pray in a different way. I, but I felt closer to God. I had one person who wrote me and said that, that they had appreciated that I had mentioned Handel's Messiah. Like every time I listen to Handel's Messiah, I feel that thin place. I feel like the, the boundary between heaven and earth just sort of goes away, which actually happened for Handel when he wrote the Messiah in a very cool way. But they said, he said, I just didn't know that I could listen to that and that that could be the catalyst of my prayer time. I thought prayer time was different than, than that. It's like, no, 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 that can be the way. What is your thin place, we ask? How do you get close to God? How is that relationship starting to be restored between you and your creator? That's the place we begin. And today we're expanding by looking at the second part of these three things that, that, that Micah writes about. That what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Today we're going to talk about what does it mean to love kindness? I do want to point out here that it's interesting that two of the three things that Micah starts with are about relationship. You notice that? You and I are people that, for the most part, don't define our lives by relationship so much as we define it by activity and success. We find we feel better more than anything when we've accomplished something, when our grades are good, when athletically we do something, when we're recognized in a certain way, when we have the right job title. And so we spend an inordinate amount of time and energy building up our activities. And activities aren't bad, 
But it's interesting that where Micah doesn't start is, here are the things you do to accomplish this. He starts with relationships. Micah reminds us of something that we need to be reminded of, that you and I are at our core, we are relational beings. Where we are going to find fulfillment in life is in our relationships. Starts with our relationship and our walk with God. But secondly, it extends to how we're in relationship with each other. And Micah's saying that kindness needs to be the fabric by which community is built. And that we are called to have relationships where we are connected with each other. We are, we are relational beings. Every time you and I build our calendars, and I do this all the time, that is based around activity, and I'm going to jump from here, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to be busy here, and i got to get to here, we are missing the priorities of what God is saying is most important, which is where are we going to sit there and build our calendars around building relationship with God and others? What would it mean if we build our calendars that way? and then fit the activities around the relational stuff. I mean, that would be a totally different way of approaching how we, build, how we use our time. Sounds a lot like a time when Jesus, 700 years after Micah, is asked the question, Lord, what's the most important commandment? You remember when a lawyer comes and asks Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Now, a commandment, there are over 600 laws in the Old Testament telling us what to do or what not to do. And what Jesus says is what? To love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you're not doing that, it does not matter what else you've got going on. You are missing the point. It's the exact same thing. It's about our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And if we are not paying attention and cultivating those all the time, we are going to be going to bed every single night with a piece of our heart that feels unfulfilled because we were designed for relationships, all of us. So what does it mean to love kindness, right? We talked last week about what does it mean to walk humbly with God. What does it mean today to love kindness? Now, some Bibles, and you may have grown up with this or you may have this in your Bible, don't say kindness, they actually have a different word, which is what? Mercy. That's right. So this is a time where you might be familiar with Micah 6, 8, and it says to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, whenever there's this kind of breakdown in a translation, especially with Hebrew, it's because translators are having a hard time finding one singular English word that captures the Hebrew word. Okay, so we can take the Hebrew word we're trying to translate here that God's saying is so important, and some translators look at it and go, well, I think kindness kind of gets at that, and, and it does. It gets at a lot of the parts. Other translators look at it and say, well, I think mercy is actually closer to the Hebrew word, and they kind of use mercy in their translations, and that sort of gets at it too, but it doesn't encompass it. The Hebrew word that they're trying to translate is really important, and we're going to bring it up here on the screen. The Hebrew word is chesed. It's a great word to just say at times, even if you don't remember what it means, chesed. It's this guttural thing that when you said it in four different sermons, your throat starts going raspy. But say it with, I want you to repeat it after me, chesed. Chesed. You need to know what chesed is. On the other side of your card, I want you to write this definition down. You're going to need to keep this in front of you all week because kindness doesn't always get at it and mercy doesn't always get at it. You need to know the phrase. That chesed means to exhibit unmerited loyalty and compassion to others. It means to exhibit unmerited loyalty and compassion to others. We are called to be agents of chesed. We're going to keep this up so you can write it down. Agents of chesed of kindness, of mercy, of, of, of undeserved loyalty and compassion. That that's to be the, the hallmark of our marriages, 
That's to be the hallmark of our relationship with our parents. That's to be the hallmark of our relationship with our children. That's to be the hallmark of our friendships. That's to be the hallmark of how you're to treat the lunch lady in the cafeteria. That's the hallmark of how you treat your coworkers. That's the hallmark of how you treat your clients. To exhibit unmerited loyalty and compassion to others, not whether you think they deserve it. That's not the question. But you are called to exhibit chesed with all whom you encounter. Now, here's the question. Here's the million dollar question. How do you do that? The traditional way of being the church is this. The traditional way of being the church is, is that we say that the way you do this stuff is you know it and do it, right? So the key is that I'm supposed to tell you what chesed means and um, you're to kind of write it down and then we're to kind of make up our minds going, you know, we need to be doing this this week, right? And I could tell you an inspirational story about how someone did it and you're like, man, I need to be more like that person. And it's about kind of, kind of taking your will and choosing it. But that is not very effective at true formation, knowing it and doing it, right? Even if you hear that today and you're like, oh, that's right, I'm gonna do chesed. I'm gonna live, I'm gonna be loyal and compassionate this week. Even if you mean that right now, and some of you are going, I don't really know what I think of that, but even if you mean it right now, I promise you on Thursday afternoon in the busyness of what's going on in your life, a tiny little percentage of you will still be thinking about this. A tiny percentage of you will be going, whoa, 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 big moment here. Got to exhibit loyalty and compassion in my relationship with others, whether they deserve it or not, and here's how you do it. Sunday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. right. Let's, let's be honest here, right? Because, you know, it's only my ego on the line. It's only like two hours from now. Not many of you are going to be remembering this, right? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's also know it and do it discipleship is not biblical either. It's not about that. It's not about the fact that I know the Bible says that the way I am to love my wife is to serve her as an equal partner in marriage. I know it says that. I will not do it in two hours. I won't. It's not a question of knowledge. There's something broken in us as people that we drift over time. We drift away from our values. We drift and don't live in alignment with the things we're supposed to be about. The Bible doesn't talk so much about knowing and doing it as it does about this. It talks about receiving and imitating. The Bible does not say that formation happens through knowing it and doing it. It happens more through receiving it and imitating it. And I want to use the rest of the book of Micah very, very quickly to illustrate that. Micah is not a know it and do it person. If so, his book would be one verse. And I want to take a survey here real quick to illustrate this point. And there's no right or wrong answers to this, so just raise your hand and be honest, okay? You're not, you're not going to get in trouble here. Raise your hand if before this sermon series you have heard a sermon or a Bible study or a lecture on Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Raise your hand. Okay, so that's a pretty good percentage of people. Raise your hand if you've heard a sermon or Bible study on Micah chapter 3. Thank you. Same with all, other, all of our other services. We have reduced the entire book of Micah to one verse. And that is totally acceptable in a know it and do it culture. This is what it says, so I go do it. Micah is not a know it and do it person because he knows you're going to forget and he knows that I'm going to forget and we won't care on Thursday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. So Micah writes his book differently. And it's more about receiving and imitating than knowing and doing. We're going to bring this up here. This is a very, very rough, very rough 
simple transla- uh, outline of the book of Micah and how it works. Micah doesn't start with knowing it and doing it. He starts in chapter one and chapter two by talking about the failings of God's people. This is where he starts. If you want to have a feel-good Bible verse to put up in your wall in your home of like, for me and my family, we'll follow the Lord, do not look for Micah chapters one and two, okay? He doesn't start with this funny little story to hook you in and, and get your attention and all this other stuff. He starts with, let me tell you how far you've wandered away. Let me tell you how far you have wandered from God. That you and I fail to do that which we know is right, and we do that which we know is wrong. All of us. All of us need confession to be a regular part of our life, a regular part of our worship services. That we don't have like songs where there's confession, where we talk about needing God, where we're going, hey, some of you might be able to sing this with meaning. We're going, no, every week we can all sit there and say, Lord, I have fallen short. So Micah starts there with failing, the failings of God's people. The next place he goes is God's righteous anger. He says that God is angry about this. And that it's not enough that when we sit there and go, oh, no, 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 you know, all I did was fail to serve my wife this week. I mean, when you look at the sins of what's going on in the world, how big of a deal is that? God's going, it's a really big deal. This stuff isn't graded on a curve. It's not graded in a way where it's like, oh, where God's like, hey, just forget about it. To my wife, it's a really big deal. God is angry about the brokenness of our world, and rightly so. Because as much as you and I are drawn to the image of a God who looks and just kind of goes, you know what? It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. I love you. It's all right. Forget about it. That is not actually loving. If you have ever been a a parent, a grandparent, a a babysitter, uh, someone in charge of kids at any level, when you see kids teasing each other or bullying each other or doing something that's wrong, we don't look at it and go, ah, they'll grow out of it, don't worry about it. That is not a loving response. That is not God. God is not going, don't worry, it's not a big deal. God is angry about the brokenness and the injustice in this world, and rightly so, and all of us here today are contributors to it. We're not just observers of it. We are contributors of the brokenness and the injustice in this world. But third, then Micah moves to the proclamation of God's mercy. And he says, even though God is angry at how we've fallen short, that God's anger is not the end of how God's going to deal with us. That God's not looking at us today going, I just can't deal with you anymore. I just can't deal with the fact of how much you say you mean it and don't change your life. That there's nowhere you can go. There is nowhere you can run from God. There is nothing that you can do that is going to ever make God do anything other than love you and throw his arms open to you again and again and again. Micah is saying here, and he does it in these beautiful ways in like Micah chapters four and five of talking about the mercy of God, the compassion of God, the loyalty of God, God's chesed. He's talking about God's chesed. He's talking about the fact that God's not looking at you going, you need to be kind and merciful and loyal and, and, and compassionate. He's saying God has done that already for each of us. Who are you to be hypocritical and not go live it out in the world with everyone else? It's not about knowing the rule and doing it. It's about receiving and imitating. And God's chesed is what makes it possible for us to gather here and worship today because none of us are worthy, but he declares that we are through his love and through his grace and then the last part, he says, and this is where Micah 6.8 comes in, so go respond, go live it out, go do the same thing, right? 
that's the end. We jumped to the ending. It was like, oh, so this is what we're supposed to do. And we missed the part. And a know it and do it church, that's okay. We just learn the rules and do it. That doesn't change anybody's life. What we're called to do is to receive it and to acknowledge how we've received it and imitate it. So that's why I want you to keep these cards with you this week. That's why I don't want you to write about, oh, I'm supposed to be this way. I want you to write about how you've received it. I want you to think about a time when people have been compassionate to you. I want you to think about a time when people have been loyal to you. And I'll confess to you, I want you to keep it around because at first, sitting here right now, you may not be able to think of much. I'll be honest, when, this week, because I know what we're talking about most of the time on Sundays, I kind of do, sometimes, uh, I do what I'm going to ask you to do. So this week, I've been thinking about this, and I kept a card with me this week, kept a card of where have I been a recipient of compassion and mercy. And I went like two days without really writing anything down. I couldn't think of very much. Because stories like this take us to chapters of our life that we most of the time want to push away and act like aren't there. But about three days in, I thought about something that I didn't share with the search committee when I interviewed for this job. I didn't share it with Allison. I didn't share it with anybody else that was on the search committee who's here for a reason. Because you don't hire people with these stories. I mean, I didn't like keep it from them. I just don't think about it very much. There's a story that I've kept in my pocket this week about the rocky career I had in college. I was 18, and most people are 18, you know, and going through different things when I started school. Um, went to a school called Davidson College in North Carolina, and my parents also, what's that? Go Cats. Go Cats. That's exactly right. There's one other. Everybody else here is like, oh, it's the basketball school because of Steph Curry. I'm like, not really, but we had one good player that came through, and now he's the NBA MVP. Uh, it's an awesome place. It was a great, great, great school. Um, my first two years are what you would describe there as rocky. My parents went through a really nasty, sudden divorce about six weeks before I started school that kind of shook up a lot of things, and I was already wandering in a lot of different ways. And I had a pretty rocky first two years of school. Got to beat the dean of students a couple of times, not for anything I'm going to share with you in a sermon. <laughs> and at the end of my sophomore year, I went into his office unannounced and told him that I was dropping out of school. I just didn't think that American education and our society and our systems were going for the things that I wanted to go for anymore. And so I dropped out and told him exactly what I thought of him and his college and their systems and their goals and everything else and left. Because my parents were involved, I also broke off relationship with both of them and had about eight months where I didn't speak to them at all. And I did what a 21-year-old does who's being driven by anger and confusion and sadness. And about eight months in, I woke up one day and realized that I had nothing except anger and confusion and sadness in my life. And not knowing what else to do, I contacted both of my parents and began trying to reestablish a relationship with them but I also had to show back up eventually at Davidson College to the dean of students, Will Terry, and ask if he would let me come back to school. I had to show up unannounced, no appointment, to this person. And he brought me into his office. And he had no reason to readmit me. Like I said, I'd visited with him multiple times. None of those gave any reason why he should want me to come back to school. I was not in the running for valedictorian. That was not happening either. Davidson's doing fine without my tuition money. Their endowment is very, very healthy. They had very little reason to readmit me to school. I had no family connections there. 
And Dean Terry looked at me in the office and said, you know, I have been thinking about you every single day since you dropped out of school. Tell me how you've been doing. And I got to talk to him for a little while about what was going on in my life. And he readmitted me to school. And not only that, he took AP credits from high school and worked with me so that I could wind up graduating on time with my class even though I had missed a semester and a half. There's moments when you got nothing, nothing of your own abilities to stand on. Where I don't know where my life is if Dean Terry had done what he had every right to do, which is to tell me to get lost. I don't know if keeping that on this note card in my pocket this week has made me more compassionate and loyal, but I sure have been thinking about it a whole lot more than if I just learned a rule and tried to do it. This week, keep these cards with you. Keep them with you. Write down examples, not of what you've got to do, but what has been done on your behalf. Where have you been a recipient of chesed? Where has compassion and loyalty been exhibited to you? And hold those examples in front of you and see if God might shape you more into an agent of chesed in your life today than if you learned a rule and really made up your mind to do it. Okay? Let's pray. Lord, we ask that admit our need for you and ask that you would be with us in our times and our memories this week, that you would help us to just write some of this stuff down so that we can hold before us that we're not forgetful people who run to the highlight stories of our life all the time, but move to the places where people have shown us compassion and loyalty. We pray, Lord, that you would bring these examples to mind. We continue to worship you now.